Will self-driving trucks put truck drivers out of business? I'm Jim Park. This HGT Talks Trucking Special Report is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. Visit HeavyDutyTruckingExchange.com to learn more. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's new Deputy Administrator and current Acting Administrator, Mira Joshi, got everybody's attention last week when she said that self-driving trucks will have real and broad impacts on people's livelihoods. Responding to a question about how fully autonomous trucks would affect the workforce, Joshi said, quote, We can argue about the scope and the timeline, but we can't argue that there will be a major shift in the workforce. She added, if it's your livelihood that seems like it's being threatened, it's an immediate problem. She was probably referring to a U.S. DOT report on the impacts of automation to the trucking workforce. That report estimated that between 300,000 and 500,000 trucking jobs would be impacted over time by autonomous vehicle technology. There are, however, a few fundamental issues that were probably lost in the headlines that amount to one key point. If you're a truck driver today, you're unlikely to lose your job to automation. Here to talk about the impacts of self-driving trucks on America's commercial driver workforce is Finch Fulton. He's the Vice President of Policy and Strategy for an autonomous truck company called Locomation. He was also the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Transportation Policy in the previous administration. Finch Fulton joins me right after this. Heavy-duty trucking exchange is a unique networking event where fleet managers and suppliers connect and collaborate. HGTX 2021 takes place in Scottsdale, Arizona. Due to the ongoing pandemic, we can't yet commit to a date, so visit heavydutytruckingexchange.com to check for updates and to learn more about the event. Last week, Mira Joshi, the new Deputy Administrator of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration and the current Acting Administrator, uh, set the trucking world on its ear and got drivers' attention with some interesting comments she made about the future of driverless trucks and the future of truck drivers, quite frankly. Uh, I think it's fair to say that she caught a lot of people by surprise with those remarks. And here to address some of those remarks on the podcast is Finch Fulton. He's the Vice President of Policy and Strategy for Locomation. Finch, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Before we get started into the uh, the issue of driverless trucks and the future of truck drivers, uh, what is your background in this and, and what position do you come from? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm the current Vice President of Policy and Strategy at Locomation, an autonomous trucking company. Uh, and before that, uh, I spent four years at the U.S. Department of Transportation as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Transportation Policy and the nominee for Assistant Secretary for Transportation Policy. So many of the reports and statistics that uh, Deputy Administrator Joshi is talking about are part of a report that my shop put together and published in January. So I think I know uh, in detail uh, some of the areas she's coming from. So it's fair to say you're right up on top of this then? I, I would hope so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh so what are some of the long-term implications for, uh, for driverless trucks? I mean, the way she was speaking last week, it sounds like uh, truck driving uh, as a career has a fairly limited future. Do you think that's true? Well, so I will say, I don't think that Deputy Administrator Joshi's comments were wrong. I think the perception of them were wrong. Because what she said is, we can argue about scope and timeline, but what we can argue about is that this is a reality. 
that there will be a major shift in workforce. And then later on, she said, if it's your livelihood that seems like it's being threatened, it's an immediate problem. So that word seems really is where the focus is because it can seem like it's threatened, but it probably isn't. If you're a truck driver today, you are unlikely to lose your job due to automation. And there's a number of reasons why. Uh, and I think it's important for people to understand that and to you know understand why they should still be entering this profession, why it's still such a valuable profession, why there's a shortage and why, you know, if you want to invest in your career, this is a good place to do it. Why do you think those impressions exist? I think that people uh, see all the headlines, they see all the excitement around automation, uh, they understand the impact it could have, but what they're not hearing is a lot of these demonstrations and deployments are happening uh, limited time on certain roadways that have been pre-cleared for these sort of operations. They see these headlines about these autonomous trucking deployments and they don't realize the dramatic limitations and scope for where they're deploying. If we're looking at a transition where autonomous trucks will be a greater part of our uh, autonomous freight network future, uh, that, that transition is not starting today. Uh, there is no fully autonomous truck that's ready to be, to be deployed nationwide, uh, especially in a, in a version that is cost affordable. Uh, I know the leadership of Aurora is claiming that they're looking closer at the end of the decade before uh, the technology will allow them to start to deploy nationwide. And so that already is a, a long lag time between, you know, what we're seeing in the headlines today and when it will actually impact today's truckers. And even when they do deploy, whether it's five years, 10 years from now, they're going to be in a fairly limited application, don't you think? I mean, they're not going to be running loading dock to loading dock in all likelihood. They'll be running on, um, you know, open freeways, uh, terminal to terminal, maybe at best. And that's really going to limit their exposure or their, you know, utility in the marketplace. That seems like the most logical starting point. Some of these major hubs, major logistics centers, point-to-point operations where, uh, you know, the owners and operators and those deploying it will know what to expect. Uh, it's it's a lot harder to get on some of these access roads and to get to the warehouses and centers themselves than it is to figure out how to drive on an interstate. Yeah, so that's, and I, I've heard it said by a number of the, uh, the AT people, the autonomous truck people, that that model the freeway especially corridors like phoenix to texas pretty easy to do because there's not a lot going on there i mean relatively speaking uh, as opposed to trying to steer and gear a truck through a, a downtown city core yeah there's so many things that a human does that's commonsensical that these machines aren't ready to do yet it makes sense to you know keep a human as a core part of the functionality and of the safety of these operations i mean i think it's i think you're looking at a long progression uh as, as long as you're keeping safety on the forefront for the development of these systems and figuring out, you know, truck drivers do a lot of things that machines aren't at all ready to handle. And you introduce uh, complicated loads like, you know, flatbedding, for example. Uh, doesn't seem to me that that's an ideal application for a driverless truck. Well, and thinking about, you know, all these things, different weights, different types of loads, different types of trailers, um, you know, and also unexpected things, unexpected uh, repairs, a, you know, a tire blowout or just odd things that happen on the roadways. These are things that, you know, over time we'll be able to figure out. But, you know, human truckers know how to do that today. And so if you're looking at very expensive technology to figure it out, um, you know, you start looking at can we accomplish this better with a truck driver? And in many cases, you can. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, you know, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not there is actually a driver shortage. 
you talk to truck drivers, they will tell you emphatically, no, there's no such thing as a driver shortage. If there were, there'd be empty shelves. Uh, you know, we'd see significant uh, pay increases, that sort of thing. Something that would normally follow with a shortage of any description. If there's uh, a shortfall of drivers, as the ATA is saying, uh, something like 160,000 drivers by 2028, that's still eight years out. Uh, that's kind of in line with the timeline of the rollout of this autonomous technology. Do you think that the basic uh, turnover problem or, uh, you know, the so-called shortage would be uh, worsened or improved by adding some number of autonomous trucks to the fleet by 2025, 2028? So we're looking at, so if today there's 2 million long haul truck drivers in the U.S. and uh, ATA as their study that shows that there's a shortage of over 60,000 truckers today. So you mentioned that that number is going to jump to 160,000 by 2028. And that was before all the impacts uh, of COVID were felt and people were able to study, you know, the changes in freight demand, the increase in e-commerce, uh, things like that. So as we're looking at the development of this technology, especially if we start with thinking about what truckers need from this technology, we're looking at, you know, one truck driver being able to handle two trucks or, uh, truck drivers being able to switch loads um, or to operate the autonomous or to manage the autonomous network. We're talking about being able to change things so, you know, even long haul truck drivers can go home to their families every day. This is a great opportunity to make this profession better and more valuable and, you know, get paid at a more premium rate um, than what we have today. So I think that we can take advantage of this to shape this to, you know, one, reduce the truck driver shortage by making these jobs uh, more lucrative and uh, better for truckers today, um, but also to let these new technologies help deal with the shortage. So we're not talking about truck drivers losing their jobs. We're talking about, um, you know, truck drivers being able to handle more. Well, I've always thought it was interesting that the, 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 the sector of the industry that has the most difficulty recruiting and retaining drivers is the long haul segment, especially the, you know, the truckload segment. And you introduce a technology here, um, I should put in a plug for locomation too. I mean, you're talking about running one driver and two trucks in a in an automated convoy of some sort. So that would basically give you, as you pointed out just a second ago, uh, one driver, two loads, two trucks. If we can improve the job, make it better, uh, stretch out the resources that we have, it's actually going to improve the working conditions for truck drivers. That's the plan. Shouldn't they be uh, on side there? Yeah, and what we've seen in the past, if you look at the Teamsters, for example, when they've been at their best, they've been working with industry to make sure that we can increase the uh, productivity and revenue and profits of the uh, of their companies. And in return, they get paid more. So when we see, you know, the powers that be combining forces, that's when everybody wins. And we have a great opportunity to do that today. It, you mentioned locomation. So part of our model is uh, we already have our first customers. And we're building out for them now. Uh, and one is going to be two drivers, two trucks, where the second driver can turn on the system and turn off their hours of service, right? They cannot use their time. And if you have this partnership where you have more than one truck driver uh, handling a convoy, you can handle some of those issues that FMCSA is trying to figure out today with inspection, maintenance, and repair, the human-centric things. Uh, after that, in the next two years, we're looking to one driver, two trucks. And again, you still have a human in the loop that can manage these systems and can handle the unexpected or can deal with other humans. They can talk to people. No one likes talking to a robot. You know, people in warehouses would much rather talk to a human than try and talk to, you know, Hal or, you know, the equivalent of dialing into a call center and having to sit through the, you know, choose one for talking English 
click two if you want to talk to a person. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's just a big role for that. And so with locomation, at least, we do have humans as the center of development. And over time, we will have systems where we can set up a hub-to-hub operation, um, still utilizing the workers that understand the systems that have been trained on them, that know what to do with the systems fail in the future. Um, you know, there's a big role for humans to grow with this technology, to learn it, to become experts on it so that they can be key to the future of it, to its deployment, to its maintenance, to fixing the problems that come up that only humans know how to handle because they're flexible and adaptive. Much more so than uh, a robot would be. Absolutely. If we look at the average age of uh, a truck driver today, it's 48 years old. Every year, about 10% more truck drivers retire or leave the occupation. Uh, What's coming in behind those 10% of experienced drivers who are leaving the industry are not quite an equal number of drivers who are somewhat less experienced. And that's that's got some safety advocates concerned that as we lose experienced drivers, they're going to be replaced by less experienced drivers. Do you think automation uh, is a way of sort of addressing that or tackling that safety problem, the the imbalance between the, you know, the 30-year driver who's leaving and the two-year driver that's coming in? Uh, yes, definitely. And if we're looking at what even today's technologies that aren't fully autonomous technologies, what they can bring, uh, the safety impacts are critical, um, in part because of their exposure to other drivers on the roadway. Uh, truckers have a job that's something like seven to 10 times more dangerous than the average job. The majority, the vast majority of crashes that, and, and incidents that truck drivers get into are caused by the other people on the roadways. So if we're looking at what this technology can do, one, it's, we need the other people on the roadways to bring in these technologies so they don't crash into our truckers. Um, but two, you know, truck drivers having technologies on their vehicles that can, you know, sense when somebody's doing something dumb around them, can warn them of things, can, you know, bring the technology in to automatically react while the truck driver is still reacting, that can save lives. And those are technologies that exist today. So for the incoming drivers, you know, you're right, the average truck driver is 48, which by the way means that most of today's truck drivers won't have a chance to be impacted. They won't even have the chance to lose their jobs to self-driving trucks. But the newer jobs, you know, the average trucker chooses trucking later in their career. 61% are older than 40, 33% 33% are older than 50. Most of them have jobs that they leave to join the trucking industry. And more than 10% are veterans, which is far higher than the general workforce. Uh, and they're particularly adept at you know, understanding how to drive convoys and these heavy duty vehicles. And you know, the training that you get in the military for this is directly applicable to these types of jobs. But the point is, if today's truckers will likely retire before this technology could take their jobs, and tomorrow's truckers are joining, it sort of seems like these truckers would be able to figure out, you know, what is this technology going to be able to do? Have I experienced it in the military? You know, can I be trained for what these new technologies are going to do? I can choose to get the training and choose the type of model and choose the type of company or the type of business I want to become an owner operator in. You know, it's about a choice, not about something being taken away. And with this training, you're much more likely to get a premium wage. You're much more likely to be able to earn more or carry two trucks, get twice as many vehicle miles uh, earned. So it seems like it could be a good option for people that have the choice. This is HDT Talks Trucking. I'm Jim Park, and we're speaking with Finch Fulton, the Vice President of Policy and Strategy for Locomation. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about uh, some of the barriers that still exist to uh, autonomous trucking and maybe get into some of the things that the agency, uh, FMCSA, can do to, to make this transition a little bit smoother. Stay with us. 
HGT Talks Trucking is brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, a relationship-building event hosted by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine. HGTX is loaded with topical discussions and learning opportunities with some of the most innovative people in the business. Managers of Class 7 and 8 fleets apply now to be our guests at HGTX 2021 in Scottsdale, Arizona. To learn more and to apply, go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com. We're back with Finch Fulton, the Vice President of Policy and Strategy for Locomation. Uh, Finch, one of the things that I'm not sure a lot of people understand here in, in, in the autonomous world, there's going to be a relatively small number of companies actually able to embrace this technology. Can you talk about who you think, uh, the type of fleets uh, you think will be uh, getting into this as soon as it's uh, you know feasible and, and viable? and where that leaves the rest of the trucking industry? Yeah, absolutely. So I think many people don't understand that 97% of trucking companies in the U.S. have 20 or fewer trucks. 90% operate six or fewer trucks. Growing up, I worked at, my family had a warehouse down in Mobile, Alabama. We had trucking and logistics services. We weren't the type of folks that had extra money to go investing in some of these massive multi-million dollar investments thinking that this will get us some sort of advantage over our competition. We were just happy to be in business and to be serving our customers. The mom and pop's trucking operations aren't going to, the 97% of the trucking industry don't have that money ready to invest in these millions and millions and millions of dollars for automated trucking equipment. It's only the very top, the biggest companies that really have the, that, that market power, have the ability to invest in these technologies. And I don't even have a good estimate for what you know competitors are charging for this technology i don't know that they do either because they haven't gotten there yet they don't have the type of technology routinely made they can do you know widespread uh for autonomous trucking operations that could remove a driver but i can guarantee it's going to be expensive um so if we're looking at the types of companies they're going to be able to buy it it's these smaller numbers of massive companies um that operate a lot of the 39 million trucks that are in the u.s but again, we're only talking about that 3% that operate more than 20 trucks. And if you're looking at you know, how they want to get a return on their investment, these big fleets, they replace their trucks every 600,000 miles. Um, and the average is about five and a half years for these trucks to buy the first time. Uh, then they tend to sell it to some of these mom and pops operators. So if you're talking about you know, the amount of time it takes for a major company to buy a number of trucks, they're not going to replace their entire fleet right away. And even when they do, we're talking about a flow down, let's say five and a half years, although these trucks are likely to get you know, more miles on them because they can be utilized more. Um, they're still, that's an additional thing to add to the lag time. Before it starts hitting some of the widespread adoptions, the majority of the trucking companies, you know, if they're buying it downstream, and who knows if it's still five and a half years or are these major companies going to continue to try and keep them on the road because they cost so much. So there's, there's much that's unknown about that utilization rate and about the, the price point to make it worth a while for them to invest in these technologies in the first place outside of the smaller numbers of you know demonstrations and deployments that we're seeing today and are likely to see in the very near future. Well, we keep hearing that this technology is coming next year. Uh, it's just around the corner, 2021, 2022. It's always two years away from removing the human driver, isn't it? Well, it, yeah. <laughs> To hear some of the uh, proponents talking, it uh, you know they seem to think it's it's pretty close. What what is FMCSA or DOT's position on autonomous trucks? I know the agencies have taken uh, 
an arm's length approach to regulating them at this point because I think there's uh, I've heard it from Daimler that the uh, they don't want to get in the way and impose regulations on a developing technology until it's uh, a little more firmly established. Uh, what role does DOT have in in ushering in this new era? Well, I, I wearing my old DOT hat, I would take a little bit of umbrage at the arm's length comment. Okay. Um, we've been actively engaged. It's just when you have new technology and no one has figured out how to do it once the first time, how on earth are you supposed to regulate it and say, here are the rules for everyone that is not choosing winners and losers, that is not prescriptive, that is adaptable and can incorporate new advances in technology over time? Well, if you don't know the answer yet, and as humble regulators, you shouldn't know the answer because if the world leaders don't know it yet, you certainly don't know it. And anybody in government that tells you they do know the answers, you should be very skeptical of. So if you don't know the answers, you go through a process and you start with, you know, test and you start by engaging with the innovators and learning from them and working on some of these statewide tests. Uh, we put out $60 million for automated driving systems demonstration grants that are going to be taking place in many places across the country. Um, where we're going to be learning about autonomous trucking. Virginia Tech and Ohio State have two great pilots that are going to be uh, running here uh, this year that are going to teach us for the first time, you know, how will we actually run these fleets? What do we need to learn? There's a advanced rulemaking. Um, you know, there's multiple steps to the rulemaking process in the U.S. They've already We've already put out the advanced notice of proposed rulemaking uh, about a year and a half ago. We're all, the, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration is going to be somewhere close to putting out the notice of proposed rulemaking on how you handle inspection, maintenance, repair, uh, dealing with first responders, things like that. Those are rulemakings that even if you know the answers, they take too long if you know the answers. They can take a year uh, for each step. But when you don't know the answers, it does take longer. And so, you know, as we're learning these things, because people are doing these tests and deployments for the first time, you really want an inclusive process. You really want to hear from you know, the American Trucking Associations from OIDA. You want to actually hear from the Teamsters. I was, was on stage getting yelled at by the head of the AFL-CIO's uh, transport division uh, because they wanted, or the Transportation Trades Department, I mean, because they wanted to make sure they were being included. And if you just jump to a final rule and say, well, here's how you do it, you're not including people. They don't get a chance to speak. The American truckers don't get a chance to speak out, you know, about their discomfort with where the technology is today. So people want so much for everyone to have the answer they don't realize that no one has it yet and you got to do the homework. And so what we're seeing is across the country, many states and localities are leading some of these deployments. The federal government is sponsoring and funding them. We're all learning together about this technology. So when the rules come, they will be correct and we don't have to change them every few years. You know, we have a model that takes a long time, but we tend to get it right when, when we finalize a rulemaking of this kind. And do you think that before we see some widespread deployment of this technology that you guys will have uh, rules in place for them to follow? So this is, <laughs> this is one where it's a little tricky because uh, I no longer work at the USDOT and I no longer know the leadership as well. But let's say Secretary Elaine Chow got another four years, we would, be, we would be pushing it to get the regulations in place by the end of this next four years because you have FMCSA's rules which let's say we were able to come out this month with the uh, notice of proposed rulemaking, which is the step before you finalize it. It still probably takes a year and a half to take all those inputs, to have town halls, to bring people in in person and digitally. And God almighty, COVID has definitely thrown off the in-person part of it. 
Um, but you got to hear from everybody and you got to work through the process so that everyone's voices are heard and everybody gets a chance to speak. So even if you had the same team with the same leadership and the same eagerness, uh, it probably was going to take all four years. And that doesn't even count the part, um, you know, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration does the vehicle standards part. And so you have to have, you know, the vehicle rules being updated at the same time as the human centric rules that FMCSA has. If you're looking at, you know, what Aurora's leadership is saying is they're feeling like it's closer to the end of the decade. And if you're looking at these rulemakings, by God, we might be on schedule. Well, frankly, that's what Daimler has said, too. You know, they're clearly the biggest player in this right now, uh, most established anyway. They've uh, teamed up with Torque Robotics. They've said uh, no time soon, basically, uh, probably the end of the decade. And I think that that speaks to the challenges that still exist in a getting this stuff to be reliable and safe and and trustworthy and you know the the vehicle um ai integration that uh, still has to take place some of the uh, startup companies are talking about bolt-on technology whereas daimler claims that they're uh, they're basically reinventing a class 8 power unit to uh to to work without uh, a human at the wheel yeah well, and again, I think this is why the human-centric models like locomations are so valuable because, you know, we already have our first customers. We'll be ready to deploy here in the next two years where there's still humans in the loop, still humans able to make decisions and bring common sense to situations. So you're looking at a, a gap where while these, you know, self-driving technologies are developing, those that are able to take advantage of this technology are going to have a leg up. They're going to have customers. They're going to have on-road data. They're going to have an actual understanding of how these systems need to operate, what things are easy and what things are really hard. They're going to have a business case um, where others that are going straight for the grand slam, you know, we'll see. Some of them have already struck out, but, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a long road. It's going to be a marathon to mix metaphors, but, you know, it's going to be interesting. And if we do it right, it's going to make everyone's lives better. And, uh, you know, the way you're talking and I've heard other people saying similar things. It doesn't look to me like there's uh, a driver out there whose future is in question at this point in time. I wouldn't think so. Um, you know, not a driver out there today, especially if you're ready to bring on these new technologies and adapt, you know, you can make this technology work for you. So what would you say to a 40-ish person who was uh, displaced from a previous career and was thinking of trucking as a, as a career opportunity? Is it too late for them or is it uh, still plenty of time to get in and enjoy, uh, you know, the, the corner office with the best view in the world? Oh, if, it's, if, it's, uh, if they're 40-something, then it's definitely not too late for them. It seems like they've got a lot of time they can spend out there uh, exploring America and, uh, you know, doing good work. Okay, Finch, we're going to wrap up here in just a second, but do you want to uh, just throw in a couple of final comments, personal observations, or where you think this is all going to go and take us in maybe 10 years? Yeah, so, I mean, the observation is this. The headlines and what you may see, you know, or hear on podcasts or on Twitter or wherever you get your news, uh, the headlines don't always match the reality. There are very, you know, extremely interesting and exciting technological breakthroughs that are happening. That's real. The ability to figure out, you know, how to make these autonomous vehicles, uh, whether they be people driving their own cars or heavy duty trucks or, you know, the type of transit vehicles that can be good for people that have disabilities. They are developing and it's exciting and they do merit the headlines. But when you start talking about making people worried about their own future and their own jobs, you've got to get the headlines right. And that's what the problem is with the headlines. And that's what the headlines got wrong with what FMCSA's acting administrator uh, Mir Joshi 
that's what they got wrong about what she said. She wasn't wrong, but also they weren't right about how they portrayed it. So you really shouldn't make people afraid of their own jobs and afraid of their own future when you're just trying to get people excited about the technology and what the technology can do. Finch Fulton's the Vice President of Policy and Strategy for Locomation. Finch, appreciate your observations and your comments here. Thanks for that. Thanks so much for having me. HDT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HDTX 2021 takes place in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to view the agenda, to check for dates, and to apply to be our guest at HDTX 2021. If you like our podcast, please spread the word on social media and give us a rating if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening. Thank you.